The Ringers updated their top 100 players in the NBA. Two Jazz players are mentioned. Who's the second? Do you think someone got snubbed? It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice for Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today on Locked on Jazz. 90s night! Woohoo! It's when I broke in as a member of the Jazz uh, organization and uh, got to know all of you in Utah. It's been a long run. So 90s night. Ringer, top 100. How many Jazz players are mentioned? How's that compared to other teams? And if you have to have a 10 and a 20 to win an NBA title and a 50, who actually has that? Right now, we'll look at that on the Ringer Top 100. Denver's the best in the West. They're in town tonight for an 8 o'clock start. We'll look at what they're doing. They're very, very good. And some interesting ways that they're approaching games that are very different than the way the Jazz are. I'm sure we'll have a thought or two on the Lakers getting 23 fourth quarter free throws, but none as good as Toronto Raptors head coach. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan. Each and every day, we are free and available on every single podcasting app and on YouTube. Thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. And to the everydayers out there, you are what make us tick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz each and every day. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 in if in any bet. Uh, FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right. It's 90s night. We can do a whole show on 90s night. Uh, I mean, on a personal note, I take my first job in media in 92. I'm old. Um, I take my first job with the Jazz in, as the pre-halftime and post-game show host in, I think, 94. Um, and then the greatness, I get to observe the greatness up close. Um, Western Conference Finals and heartbreaks along the way. Uh, the 91-92 Western Conference Finals, I remember well. I was still in college that's when the 90s kind of all kicks off um, as we had beat the Blazers and then went to um, or went to go face the, the great Blazers teams of, of after beating the Sonics in five of, of Drexler and all them and then proceed through the disastrous first round loss of 92-93 to the Seattle Supersonics, just kind of a crushing five-game series. Um, felt like it steps back. Imagine how you'd react differently than losing uh, to the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals in 93-94 after that incredible seven-game series with Denver. If I remember correctly, we were totally in control, and then it slipped away. We got it back. Maybe the most devastating losses of all are the 94-95 loss when Michael's out of the game. We go 60-22 and in the regular season, and then the Rockets beat us in five. Uh, David Benoit, my memory, is misses a bunch of shots. It's probably unfair. Is that true? He, he he clicks to go check. He he painfully checks to go look. 98-95 at home, game five, May 7th. Oh, gosh. 
Either that or the steal by Jordan are the two moments that of the 90s when you talk about missed opportunities that jump out to me more than anything else. David Benoit went two for eight on threes in that game five. That is my vivid memory of it. The minutes played are crazy, by the way. Drexler, 47. Olajuwon, 44. Malone, 45. Stockton, 41. Hornacek, 43. Like, it was old school. No one's relying on the bench. Uh, 95-92. Jazz got outscored 31-20 to in that fourth quarter because this is very much what the 90s are about. What the 90s are about is as great as the finals runs were in the Stockton pass and 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 the Stockton shot is also the heartbreaks, like the, the moments where you think and then it doesn't happen. The seventh game seven loss. The next year to the Seattle Supersonics when Sean Kemp makes every free throw imaginable and we don't. Uh, 90 to 86 final. Kemp had 26 and 14. And the crowd was crazy. It was I was the most incredible game I've ever been to. Maybe that game seven, the military coming out of the, had the Marines coming out of the ceiling, landing, squatch going nuts. That's why Seattle needs to get basketball back. Mailman goes eight of 22, eight of 12, or six of 12 from the free throw line, missing some of those in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. Stockton had a pretty great game. He had 8.7 assists, 22 points. Nobody else really got it going the Jazz on that, on that night. Um, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp did play great, and they went on to the NBA Finals to their credit in front of seventeen thousand just bonkers, and we're just we're just devastated. We're heartbroken again, and then we finally break through the resiliency, the fight, the 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 gumption, the stick to itiveness that kind of becomes the signature of this group with the ninety six ninety seven Finals run and that amazing John Stockton shot and the airport and everyone sitting coming to the airport and waiting for us when we got off the plane was just maybe the most. That might be the most memorable moment other than uh, that I've ever had as a reporter and being a part of a team. And then the tour stop, which I think was the next year with Jim Rome, if anybody remembers that, at the Galvin Center might be professionally one of the most memorable moments. But it's just incredible times. Jazz were just a, just a juggernaut, 62 wins that year, just rolling through people. The Rocket Series, if you remember, in the first round got sketchy. Um, the Jazz... Uh, we're down two games to one in Houston with an elimination game in that first year and just blow the doors off the Rockets. Blow the doors off and beat them by 20 in that game four. Kind of one, That's one of the great performances not talked about of the 90s is that May 1st performance. The mailman had 29 and 13. John was super solid that day. They got a lot from Brian Russell and Shandon Anderson uh, as well. Uh, they got a really all-around performance. That was the uh, Drexler Elijah on no more Barkley on that team. Kevin Willis and Matt Maloney and Matt Bullard. And um, I'll call Bull today and, and talk to him about that. I'm pretty good friends with him now. Um, and that that was the Jazz had had were the number one seed. They were rolling. They they lost game one at home. Uh 103 to 90, then blasted the Rockets in game two, but then lost game three in the these were five game series back then to to the Houston Rockets, 89-85. Like, it was, it was panic. I remember this. It was panic. Like, oh, my gosh. We're going for the NBA Finals with 62 wins in our destined spot. And then they just blasted them, 93-71 to in Game 4. That's one of the great playoff performances in Jazz history. They, um, and if, it, if I remember that game correctly, we didn't start well. Um, in fact, I, let me look it up. I think we scored like 10 points in the fourth quarter, first quarter of that game. We did. We scored 10 points in the first quarter of that game and we're down 21-10 at the end. We, I didn't play. I wasn't, I wasn't the backup point guard. Um, 
And then finally got it going. Then and then game five, mailman was brilliant. Thirty-one points, um, fifteen rebounds. Uh, Hornacek had a great game. Um, Stock did not, if I remember, if I'm right. I'm looking at the box score. He was zero for five, um, and he was getting older. I mean, you just you and I remember very vividly, like worrying, like did we just push game five and John and Carl are getting older, particularly John, and now all of a sudden you have San Antonio, and then they just they just roll. They blast the Spurs in five. They sweep the Lakers, the young Lakers team, um, in four. Uh, a Lakers team that just wasn't equipped. Uh, it was Shaq, Eddie Johnson, a 19-year-old Kobe, Rick Fox, Nick Van Exel. I mean, a pretty good team. Shaq was great. But they they just weren't ready for the, this 35-year-old. I mean, the Jazz are old at this point. Malone's 34. Stockton's 35. Hornacek's 34. Um, and, so, and then with the young kids all around and Shandon and Howard and all those guys. And then we go to the finals again. Um, and then... The league locks out. Like, I don't know if we had a third run in this, but the league locks out. We have the 50-game schedule in 98-99. It's like outside forces. And the Jazz beat the Sacramento Kings and then lose to the Portland Trailblazers in the in the second round of that playoffs. So I've gone to Seattle by this point. I left during the lockout. Um, and then the but the Jazz still have enough in them. They win the Midwest Division for the final in the final kind of that was really the end of the end of the 90s because 99-2000 is Scott Layden leaves. Kevin O'Connor comes in. That's really the end of it. The lockout year, which was just such a weird year. The Jazz had the best record in the NBA at 37 and 13, but always wonder, like, did they push too hard? They played too many games in such a short period of time. Um, and then they go to play Portland in what was kind of the end of the 90s, and that was a young Portland team that had Isaiah Ryder and Rasheed Wallace, Damian Stoudemire, and Arvita Sabonis as the veteran. Um, and kind of Jimmy, I think Jimmy Jackson was on that team. And uh, Portland just, I think, just were too athletic for the Jazz at that point. The Jazz fended off a of Game Five and then and then lost a Game Six. Um, so what? A, what, a, what an incredible decade! Like we're celebrating the greatest decade in Jazz history tonight, um, and it's one that I think, like, we'll, we'll talk. You know, everybody today will talk about the finals and da, 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 but I think the story of the '90s is also the is the disappointments and and also maybe you know from a cultural standpoint a different era, right? Like. Um, you couldn't do have those same experiences and hold a team together today. I don't think, I don't think the world, I don't think the world would let you hit the Western conference finals in 92, lose in the first round in 93, hit the Western conference finals in 94, lose in the first round in 94 and be like, yeah, or I have my ears off slightly, by the way. Um, let me just fix that just so I get that right. You know, hit the NBA finals or Western conference finals in 92, 93, losing the first round in that devastating George Carl, um, the young that's when Sean Kemp's like 23 Peyton is 24 and George Carl's crew just gets us like just sucks. Um, I think we might've slipped to the five seed that year, by the way, my memory is. Um, Cause I actually think that that series started in Seattle. Um, they blasted us in game one. It was like, Oh, Oh, and then a really impressive. Uh, we then went up to one. Then, then they won game four in our building um in 93 and then won the series in 95 so they must have had home court advantage um that year uh for the jazz uh then 94 you go the you know and then losing the, that devastating first round 95 that's the loss that that's that's the nadir of that year um but back to the western conference finals and then finally two finals it's a it's patience it's how hard it is it's a symbolic it's probably representative of an era that's different it's it's really pretty great like it's it's super great to Kind of go back and let's celebrate it today. Uh, Brian Russell and Greg Ostertag were meeting with the media yesterday. They were their usual great selves. 
Um, and I will admit personally for me, you know, this was the heyday for me. Like this was the start of my career moving to Utah, uh, becoming a Utahan. Um, I'd been a childhood jazz fan my whole life. I do not need to talk about all the tequila shots I took when the jazz um, won. I mean, it might've been one for every single player and it was a really bad night. Um, in 19, um, 92 when the um jazz um that doesn't line up actually because i had quit drinking by then so i wonder when that was hmm. that's funny that's always how i remember it but i just looked at the dates that doesn't work i had stopped drinking by then so that story is actually not true my own story not true all right that was more about me than you needed it is locked on jazz the ringer put out the top 100 players in the nba how many jazz players got mentioned two who's the second we're just getting started. We got a lot to do today. We'll touch on it all coming up here on Locked on Jazz. Locked on Jazz today is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending. Steve Carter, that's our own personal loan officer. He is truly the best customer service person I can ever send you to. It's such a pleasure for me to do so. And what's even more fun is all the time when I get the emails back from people saying, oh, I just interacted with Steve Carter. That was amazing. And I'm like, yes, that was amazing. Intercap Lending has been in Utah now for a little while. They moved uh, to Utah and just keep growing and growing and growing. And they can actually help you outside of the state of Utah as well. So don't feel like you're limited if you're just in Utah uh, to using Intercap. Intercap does truly amazing work um for everyone involved and steve carter is our own personal loan officer so we make sure that we give you this absolutely awesome vip experience you can reach out to steve at 385-885-28 but i advise just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and then i'll just set you up with steve carter uh he will just take you through and give you the best situation you possibly can and what's right now a little bit of a tough market to understand so it's having a great loan officer is really really important uh email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and i'll set you up with steve intercap lending nmls number 190465 or for more information visit intercaplending.com today's show is brought to you by the official sports book of locked on it's fanduel FanDuel.com slash locked on right now gets you $150 in bonus bets when you place a $5 bet. Win or lose. Same day game parlays, find the new Explore tab, all lots of fun. And with the NFL playoffs coming up, you can have a great get involved and have a great deal of fun. Maybe you bet on the Nebraska Huskers to upset I uh the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers last night. Or maybe you didn't, but just thought I'd throw that into the show. Uh, for example, they have a lot of fun new, with their various uh, popular same-gay parlay bets. You could probably find one uh, here on the Jazz tonight. But they have the Pelicans and the Warriors, which is a big game tonight. Steph to score 30, Clay to score 25, Clay to make three threes, CJ McCollum to make three threes. They have a whole parlay hub for you. You can click on, get various games. They've got one for each of the NFL games um, as well. Uh, and here's what they have for the Jazz tonight. Nikola Jokic to record 10 or more assists. Nikola Jokic to record 10 or more rebounds. Jamal Murray, three made threes. Lowry Markin to score 20 or more. A $10 wager wins $287. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. $5 bet gets you $150 in bonus bets. Thank you very much for making Locked On your first listen of the day. I am David Locke. This is Locked On Jazz. It's great fun to be with you, and I appreciate you immensely. Um, 
All right. Ringer, top 100 is out. There's two bunch of things of interest here. They update this every now and then throughout the season. I kind of like that. I give them credit. Um, so let's just go jazz only. Lowry came in at 34, which is down from where he was earlier this year. Here's who they have as the five players ahead of Lowry. Trey Young, Brandon Ingram, Scotty Barnes, Zion Williamson, and Alfred Shingun. Ron Boone, I've been watching Shingun like every... Ron is mesmerized by Shingun. Can't quite get him. And then Lowry at 34. That doesn't feel quite right to me. Jalen Brown's 26, Tyrese Maxey's 27, Harden's 28. So, like, I got, I think I'm good there. Trey at 29, Brandon at 30, Zion, Scotty Barnes at 31, Zion at 32. I feel like I sh- Lowry should be nudged up. And what's really interesting about Lowry is he's got the exact same line as he did at this point last year. Like, it, 24 points, nine rebounds, assist and a half. It's the exact same. 23 maybe. His shooting's down a tiny bit this year. Considering that last year he was playing with Mike Conley as his point guard and Malik Beasley, some veterans around him, seems to me like this is a more impressive year by Lowry. Our record's almost the exact same now. Um, Than what he did last year, we're just all not surprised by it anymore. Um, And so it's been taken back. The guys behind him, Get, it gets interesting here because the guys behind him are Derek White, Pascal Siakam, and Desmond Bain. All those guys are verging on All-Stars, and Chet Holmgren's 38. So it's funny because I feel like I want to push Lowry up, but then I look at the guys that are behind him. I think I can push all those guys up. So it's clear that kind of from 29 to maybe 39 in the NBA is a little bit of a quagmire of similar style, of similar guys, not style at all. Like, Trey is unbelievable offensively. I've watched a lot of Atlanta. He, he's really just truly incredible. Brandon Ingram, Scotty Barnes, Zion Williamson, Alfred Shingun, Lowry, Derek White, Pascal Siakam, Desmond Bain, Chet Holmgren, LaMelo Ball. Like, it's pretty strong. Kyrie's at 41. Rudy's at 42. Jaron Jackson's at 43. Paolo Boncaro has been awesome. It's like the talk of the league when I walk around the league right now is Paolo late game. 44. I mean, so... The, this league is loaded. Um, so, by the way, interesting, they have OG Ananobi at 56 who in that trade. Both teams have not lost, I think, since they made that trade. Um, I might be a little off on that. They haven't lost much. So then we start scanning down, and we get to 80, and we have Chris Paul and Jalen Johnson. So think about the Jazz players who are now eligible, right? And this is the crazy thing about us. I don't know who our second-best player is. Like, I literally was scanning this last night thinking to myself, like, who am I actually looking for? Like, is Kelly Olenek our second-best player? Is Colin Sexton our second-best player? Is Jordan Clarkson our second-best player? Is Walker Kessler our second-best player? John Collins our second-best player? Who am I forgetting? Anyone? My, like, Keontae George our second-best player? is going to be. I think I got it. Yeah, I think those are, I mean, I don't think Simone is. So, all right, so let's start at 80. You're thinking Colin Sexton, Walker Kessler, and in the chat room, jump in. Tell me when you put one of your guys in and say, here's what I want you to do if you're live on YouTube. 
I want you to write the name of the player you'd put in and at what slot. And your 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 choices are um, Jordan, Colin, Kelly, John Collins, Walker Kessler. Those are probably our next five, right? Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. Okay. Chris Ball's at 80. Jalen Johnson's at 81, having a huge year. Jalen Suggs is at 82 for Orlando. Kobe White is at 83 for Chicago. Kola Vucevic is at 84 for Chicago. Nas Reed is at 85 for Minnesota. Nick Claxton is at 86 for Brooklyn. See some names popping up over there. Clay Thompson is 87. So put the name of the player of our five. Jordan, Colin, Kelly, John, Walker, who you'd insert above one of these players, uh, this grouping. Emmanuel Quickly is 88. Rookie Jaime Jaquez is 89. RJ Barrett is 90, who's been great since going to Toronto. Cam Johnson is 91. I There is a player mentioned, I promise. Herb Jones, 92. Mike Conley, 93. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 94. 95 is Terry Rozier. 96 is Jabari Smith. 97 is Walker Kessler. <clears throat> they write, it's been a strange and at times frustrating season for Kessler, who looks every bit a part of a young player finding his way. Sophomore campaigns are notorious for detours and speed bumps. Kessler's run into his fair share and early elbow injury increased expectations. A team lacking in natural playmakers in a league that's wiser to what he can do after a slow start has finally started to push through some of that. In part, is dispensing with linear progression the Jazz had hoped for. There will be time for growth, but now Kessler's getting back to the basics. His role, whether or not he starts, seems to ebb and flow, but Kessler has mostly stabilized his season by focusing on the kind of fundamental preemptive defense that made him so effective in the first place, written by the very good Rob Mahoney. Kessler is our second-best player. Bruce Brown, 98. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 99. And Zubak at 100. What's your thoughts? Here's something I think is interesting. Centers. See where Walker ranks in centers in the NBA. Jokic is one. Embiid is two. The next center on the list is Anthony Davis at three, at 13. Bam Adebayo at 18. Demata Sabonis at 22. This cat doesn't count anymore. Alfred Shingun at 33. Chet Holmgren at 38. Rudy Gobert at 42. Jaron Jackson Jr. is not quite a center. Chris Stapps Przingis at 50. Victor Webinyam at 52. This league is supposedly being small. Brooke Lopez at 60. My point is how good the centers are in this league. And how many of them are? Miles Turner at 70. Jared Allen at 73. Nikola uh, Vucevic at 84. 
Nasri 85. He's kind of a center. 15. Nick's clack Nick Claxton at 16. Or excuse me, at uh 86 makes it 16. And then Walker Kessler is the 17th ranked center in the NBA with Zubak being the 18th. It's a lot. 18 of the top 100 players are centers. So do you think somebody on the Jazz got snubbed? And do you think Walker's the right spot there? Just for perspective, by the way, this is where 240 minutes is how we're winning game ends. Will Hardy's doing a great job. And the players are playing well. Washington has one. Kuzma at 71. Detroit has one at 55. Every other team has basically two, if not more, guys in the top 100. Portland has three. Spurs have two. Orlando's got three. Like, in fact, we only have two, and one of them's at 97 is is short on short on numbers in that in that game. All right, Denver's the best in the West. We'll talk about them, and they also play the game in an interesting fashion with their substitution patterns, and I'll explain that to you. It's the opposite of what the Jazz are doing. That's coming up next on Locked on Jazz. Locked on Jazz today is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy site for you that can help you, I would like to think of it as performance enhancing, help you with the muscle that is your brain. Uh, Why are you getting into the same quagmires? Why are the same things coming up? Why aren't you happy? Why when everything's right, do you just still not feel great? What is it that's causing these thoughts? Why is anxiety kicking in? Why are you recapping everything you ever do to try to figure out if it's right or wrong? Find out how you can make progress with better help. There's a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, better help. It's a great answer. Give it a try. Betterhelp.com. So it's locked on NBA. Get you 10% off your first month. Celebrate the progress that you can make with better help. Making step forward to understanding your actions, your brain, your thought process, all of it with better help. Better, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on N-B-A. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We do have Locked On NBA for you. It's a 30-minute show each and every day, recapping the actions of last night. Probably talking about Lakers' 23 fourth-quarter free throws last night. Too bad, because I was, I'll admit it, I was doing it. I was watching. I was hoping the Lakers would lose. I was trying to, I was, I was standing watching. I'm in. As I said last yesterday, we're all going to get in on this. It's incongruent with where the franchise is going, but that's not going to stop us. We will not be stopped. We will become obsessed with the standings. We will become obsessed with day-to-day games. That's what we do. All right. I love this about Michael Malone in Denver. It's super interesting. So Denver plays five starters on the floor. 40% of the time, which is the number one amount of any team in the NBA. Boston's actually number two. The math says you should actually play, if if your starting lineup is good, 
The math says, it doesn't work in reality, but the math says that you should actually just play your starters 36 minutes together and then, or 34, and then just punt the other 14 minutes and you'd be okay. Now you'd have no team chemistry and you're ebbing and flowing too much. And there's a bunch of parts of it where the math is probably not make sense. But the starting lineup for the Denver Nuggets is a plus 19.4. And Michael Malone plays his starters 40% of the time together. And they have the number two net rating of anyone in the league by 0.1 below Boston. Boston plays their starters 36% of the time together. The league average is the Lakers who play 27% of the time with their starters. So the Lakers play their five starters together 27% of the time, and Denver plays their five starters 40% of the time together. Denver also plays with four starters 16% of the time. So 56% of the time, Denver has four or five starters on the floor. The next closest to that, that I could find, and I don't have a great way to look at it, I mean, it's just kind of me putting together, guessing numbers, is Boston is at, I think Boston is at 52%. So it's interesting that the two best teams in the league are doing that. The Clippers are at 49%, and they do it with by having their four starters on a great amount, having four starters on. Oklahoma City is at 52%, which is, I think, the second most... And they do it, again, they have their starters on 29% and four starters on 23% of the time. The team, Phoenix has the four starters on the floor. Excuse me, Minnesota has four starters on the floor a lot, and they're really, really good at it. That's kind of where they make their hay. Utah, we have our five starters on the floor, the 10th most of any team in the league, more than I would have thought. Now, our five starters net rating is 26th in the league. So we get better as we go along. Like when we have no starters on the floor, we do it the second most of any team in the league. So this is where we're super different than this is actually really interesting. Denver has their no starters on the floor, the most of any team in the NBA. And we have no starters on the floor, the second most of any team in the NBA. Okay. This is geeky stuff, but I love this. So you would think we do things similar, but what we actually do is that we, the the jazz actually play this like, conglomeration of like one, two, three, four. Denver's basically either playing five starters or playing and four star or playing one or two or zero or one. Like Denver has the number one frequency in playing no starters. They're minus 12 when they have no starters on the floor, but they're so good in the minutes with their starters. They just get, get away with it. We're a little different. We have no stars on the floor. The second most frequency. We're actually good at it. Our net rating's positive. We have our only one start on the floor, the sixth most of any team in the NBA. And then the middle, we actually we don't actually have a lot of two and three starters either. And we don't have four starters. We don't play four starters on the floor almost at all. We play the second fewest amount of minutes with four starters on the floor. And, the, and then our five starters, we play the 10th most. Denver plays the most amount of minutes we talked about with starters. They don't play four starters nearly as much. There, and they... They play the fewest amount of minutes with any with three starters. You just won't see it. They play the fewest amount of minutes with two starters. You just won't see it. And then they play their zero and ones. It's really interesting. It worked. 
Boston is, by the way, just to compare, Boston does something interesting. Boston plays the second most amount of minutes of starters we talked about. Then they don't play three or four starters. They play two, very consciously. They play the fifth most amount of minutes with two starters, and they almost never play with zero or one. So Boston plays either five starters or two starters. Denver plays five starters or like zero or one. That's kind of how they do it. That's the majority, almost 80% of their game. And then we're just kind of like, we play a decent amount of starters, but then we're even keel all the way across. It's kind of an interesting little way to look at the game and how teams do things. Um, So watch it tonight. Like the key, you have to somehow survive when they have all five starters on the floor. Uh, they're really good. They're the best in the West. They're the eighth best offensive team, the 11th best defense. Minnesota's offense is prop is a problem. As much as everybody, Minnesota's going to get the ones, still probably going to get the one seed. We probably have to start considering talking about Oklahoma City a, bit, a little bit more than we are. Um, but you have to have a great offense to win. Minnesota's offense is 17th right now. Their defense is incredible. But de- once they play the best offensive teams in the league, that won't hold. Oklahoma City has the third best offense and the best shooting team in the league right now. We probably should be talking about them a little bit more. And they have a better differential than Minnesota. Denver is the favorite in the West. They are the best in the West. They're just cruising. Um, on the offensive side, they're top 10 in shooting, top 10 in not turning it over, top 10 in offensive rebounding. They don't go to the free throw line. On the defensive end, they're top 10 in defending the shot. They don't force a lot of turnovers. They're top 15 in rebounding. They're top 15 in NFL. And they're getting pretty decent play right now out of their bench guys. I mean, it's a, they, they've pivoted. They went with Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, and Zeke Najee as their bench to start the year. They were minus 27 per hundred possessions on the floor. And then on the floor, a decent amount because they play five starters together. They've now pivoted that to DeAndre Jordan and they're only minus 3.8. So that DeAndre Jordan has settled their bench. Um, a little bit. Zeke Njai was a, was a problem. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that tonight and watch those minutes and watch that. Eight o'clock start, Jazz and the Nuggets. Should be a lot of fun. See what we look like against the best in the West. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz. We now send you over to the first ever 24-7 National Sports Channel, Locked On Sports Today.